The year is 1967. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Variant cover. Book Reading Club. I'm Zach, the comic book newbie, and alongside Modoc, mental organism designed only for podcasting, aka so Dave, nice. we'll be covering all the essential Marvel stories from its origins to today. We're going to be, this is our variant cover episode, so we're kind of recapping 1967, reading some of your listener feedback, uh, discussing the poll, and at the end we're going to flesh out some of our Patreon-backed superheroes and supervillains a bit more. As always, if you want to support the show, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear, and every little bit helps. We really appreciate the support. Absolutely, and we're recording this episode on uh, the day that Avengers Endgame is officially released in the MCU, and mm. we should note this mm-hmm. is a completely spoiler-free podcast, and not only is it spoiler-free, but we're going to be focusing on comics from nearly 50-plus years ago in order <laughs> to stay <laughs> as in the past as possible. So that's the My Marvelous Year way. You don't have to give me too many details. But can you just confirm or deny that Batman does make a cameo in Endgame? Um, let me think if there are any. There was a Batman. lot of heroes. I know it's confusing. There were so many. Is the thing. <laughs> um, you know, I've actually commissioned an article uh, for CBH that is that is a little more like Marvel Comics for Dummies, and yeah. I think the first thing is just like who's DC and who's Marvel because it's astonishing how often that still comes up. Like it always blows my mind given how big they are in popular culture. But it's like people who don't know like still are just like, oh, like Batman and Spider-Man, they're in the same place, right? Like it still happens all the time. Yeah, I, I just had a, a friend visiting this weekend who said the same thing. We were talking about Aquaman and he's like, yeah, just one of those MCU movies. It's like, oh, well, yeah, that's right. I guess not everyone is. <laughs> as- yeah. Hip deep in this stuff. Okay, just one other thing. They're replacing Stanley cameos with Bernie Sanders, right? You know, the Stanley the Manly. That's a weird choice. It's very political. Yeah, it was super political. And actually, it wasn't, I. it, it was just a stump speech. I didn't understand how it was supposed <laughs> to be a stand. It was like 15 minutes. It was a weird choice. Okay. I, I already heard that uh, some people were getting frustrated with us joking about spoiling Captain Marvel. So. Let's not. I, I don't. I oh, good. Let, let's about joke it. about yeah. <laughs> the, the most that people evil spoilers more. imaginable. Then, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I literally, I've, I've done a good job. I'm on blackout until I see it. Uh, I haven't even told you if I like it or not. So that's how mum's the word. I'm. That, that is the wildest thing I've heard. Is a couple of people who are like, I don't even want to know the Rotten Tomatoes score. You it's know, a spoiler to know if it's good or not. I've gotten that enough from from comic book herald people that I'm not surprised by it. Um, I kind of do get it, like. My expectations heading into a movie do shape my experience kind of tremendously. Um, so if I see everyone loves it, I'm I'm actually more likely to only be a little disappointed. You know, it's like it can only mm-hmm. meet expectations then. Yeah. I, there are a lot of exceptions. Like I didn't feel this way with Infinity War. Like I knew everyone loved Infinity War. I saw it and it's my favorite MC move, 
MCU movie of all time. So, but w- with this one, I was kind of just like, I just don't, I just don't want to hear anything about it. I, I disagree that somebody saying it's good <laughs> is, um, not a spoiler. <laughs> is a like a huge said. spoiler, but I, I'm definitely not. What yeah. And I'm, I'm just definitely not in a place with like, I don't know, wanting to consume these movies where I actually want, like, I don't really want to read reviews ahead of time, even when they're spoiler free. Hmm. And I used to love doing that. Like the first thing I would do, like when the X-Men movies came out would be to read the reviews and see like, are they going to be good and see what might be in them. And now I'm like the total opposite. I just want, I want nothing. I want to go in fresh because I, I have enough like background knowledge at this point to kind of know where things might go. Um, yeah. And I'd rather just like have it all come in fresh. So I, I get people, I don't know. I think being like genuinely mad about it is a bit much. It's kind of just like, <laughs> like don't. But my favorite take is somebody saying, uh, being upset because they realized that going to see Avengers Endgame is going to spoil the movie for them because the the plot unfolding is spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. No, I did um my first instinct, you know, after seeing it last night was like, man, I want to share how I feel about it and I I did avoid doing that cuz I'm like even just saying a general, you know, praise or damnation um will influence people. Like I know yeah. I know that's uh a set of fans. So yeah, I'm well, going to put it we all in the review. We do have a private, like completely sequestered Slack channel that is for talking about end games with all the spoilers that is, you know, it's opt in. So if you're in the Slack, hop over there. If you've seen the movie. Yeah. I'll have to hop in that. Yeah. I, I have no idea if anyone's talking. I'm sure some people are already talking. A bunch of people in the Slack have seen it, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere near that channel till I get to go see yeah. the movie. Yeah. Stay, stay safe out there folks. Uh, you, can, you know, one thing I did learn is uh, one thing I did learn is in Twitter you can set words that you don't want to oh appear. Are you familiar with this feature? I I have about twenty five Game of Thrones related words mm, all smart. muted right now. Smart. I have Game of Thrones. I have Game of the Thrones because people keep finding way like Game of Throne all these different ways around. Mm-hmm. I have every single character's name listed, and people are still finding ways to like get it by me. Yeah, and yeah, I did block Avengers Thanos. Endgame. But then the, the smartest thing I did was I just moved my Twitter tab on my phone away. <laughs> yeah, I just need to it just stop going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just good life advice, period. It was actually, yeah, it is also just like, yeah, just generally good behavior to like <laughs> not be not on, Twitter. on Twitter. Yeah. So we recently hit our $250 Patreon goal, and that means we're going to start doing quarterly live Q&As. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to stream those out on YouTube, and then I'll probably still put the audio out um, as a podcast. I'm not going to edit it, so it might be a little rough, rougher than what we normally get. But we are planning on doing our first live stream on May 4th. That's Saturday, May 4th at, did you say 2 your time? May the 4th be with you at 2 p.m. Central Time. 2 p.m. Central, Central 3 time. p.m. Eastern. Are there other Centrals? I don't know, and I don't think so. Hang on. Let's pause and talk no, let's, time zones. Okay. Okay. Let's keep going. Uh, and uh, God, you made me lose my train of thought. Yep. So if you want to come hang out uh, while we chat comics for an hour, this is um, this is kind of a general Q&A. So you can ask us questions about kind of anything. Um, it doesn't have to be necessarily about Silver Age comics. We probably won't get into too much like big spoilery talk about future comics. But if you want us to talk in general about other comics, that's cool. Um, we also, I mean, if you just have questions, deeply personal questions, that's fine. Um, really, I would rather it be more romance focused. 
Like just yeah. what is your yeah, love yeah. life like? Um, yeah. I think Zach and I are pretty well qualified to answer that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just want advice, just just really, really probe us. Please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, just you can get questions into us. Um, I'm actually going to put a thread up on Patreon for people to submit questions. But if you're not on Patreon, send us an email. Um, you can send me a tweet, however, however you want to do it. Um, however, if you back us at $10 on Patreon, you will get priority questions. So we will, if we get too many questions, we're only going to do it for about an hour. So if we have too many questions, we might not get to them all. But if you are backing us on Patreon for $10, we absolutely will get to your question and we'll hit those ones first. And where can so, people find the live stream? Oh, that's a, that's a good point. Well, I will, I'll put up a link on Patreon immediately before it happens and I'll tweet it out um to our youtube channel but if you search on youtube for my marvelous years you should find our channel um yeah yeah that's about it cool um all right let's get into some uh some listener feedback cool cool we have the first uh letter we got here i think is a comment from or it started as a comment from my man more mcgill i think he did the my marvelous year club the first time wait the more mcgill this is this is the more mcgill that's right <laughs> the, the more McGill. Oh, I I just I was gonna roll with like some <laughs> mythological thing that I didn't know. Oh, I thought like it turns out he's actually like a big contributor and you Yeah, yeah. Never mind. No, no I thought this was gonna be more. like that time that um <laughs> that you insisted the Gorgons were things and then mm-hmm. like made up a whole Wikipedia entry about yeah. about <laughs> the three Gorgon sisters or something. Yeah, I, you I found think. me out, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um so I just uh, like at a certain point we can just start documenting your fantasy mythologies. And yeah. we'll just we'll come up with a new name for them, and we, we can put the more McGill in there for sure. Um, so his letter was, uh, I, I think this is all based on we had, maybe I had, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't throw you in. No, this. it was you. Yeah. Okay, it was me. <laughs> um, basically said like if anyone actually likes the Submariner comics, let us know because I don't get it, and I haven't heard that. <laughs> I haven't heard, and I don't know if I was even being that. No, like, you were just like I, I, I'm like genuinely like if you really like these, I'd like to kind of hear why because I don't sure I just don't get yeah. it. So yeah. yeah, we got a letter about that. Um, I really enjoyed these Submariner stories when I read them for the first time last year. I became an Amor fan when I read the first FF Masterworks and loved his character in those first appearances. Both the writing and Gene Colan's art give these issues a sword and sorcery feel that I just love. I tend to prefer the stories where Namor doesn't deal with the surface world at all. These first issues are all about him trying to regain control of his kingdom. You don't really get those kinds of motivations in any other Marvel series at this time. I mean, sure, Thor has to protect Asgard, but it's not the same. We all know Odin will just wave his hand and fix it in the end anyway. Each issue just flows right into the next, where the whole first arc could be spliced together as one interrupted story. There are some ups and downs, especially when he gets tied up in corny pollution stories, but the series just gets better once he gets his own series. I especially like the Tiger Shark issues and the Serpent Crown Lemuria arc. You guys are doing great so far. Keep up the good work. More McGill. Eh, thanks. So actually, I was just thinking, we're in 1969 in our reading right uh-huh. now. I feel like I haven't seen Namor in forever. Uh, is that because Tales to Astonish, and that vanishes because Captain America, or the, the Hulk gets his own series. Right. But does Namor get his own series? <sighs> Isn't there a Namor solo ongoing? See, I don't I don't even totally know the answer because yeah. I haven't included him in things. I, If I had to put money on it, I'd say, well, there's not a Namor solo, is there? Sub Submariner starts in 1968. Submariner, okay, that's Submariner. what it's called. Yeah, yeah, Submariner. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't do it justice in terms of keeping up with it. It's not on the the MMY list. Um, but if you like the character, you know, that's the place to head over. And and that's this is the argument for why, which I, I do appreciate that everyone has their favorites kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. You know, and I appreciate that, like, sometimes investing the time and and just letting what hits like strike you is is the way to go and definitely Mm -hmm. it's hard i have this with like all media and in general is like it's hard to separate what you know is supposed to be good at this point especially when something's Mm -hmm. super old like if a new if a brand new comic book comes out i don't have the expectations of of uh, you know decades of people telling me fantastic four is really important you know what i mean um whereas if you just come to these like I don't really care what anybody else says. I'm going to check out Submariner. <laughs> that might be the series that strikes you. I don't care how many people make fun of me on the playground. <laughs> I love Submariner. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, he's he's not he's not my guy, and it's not my series. Um, and I think like we've seen a lot of Gene Colan recently. I think you and I have been pretty hot and cold on his yeah, art style. That, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, sometimes it really works, and other times it's been kind of a kind of a bust. Um, sure. But but you know. He's consistent across Submariner. So if you're a fan of his art style too, I think that's, you know, it's a good place to find more of it. Yeah, this is something I'm kind of interested in doing for the the Extra Issues newsletter, which has been like, initially I was doing 15 or 16 separate issues because there's so many character introductions in these early years that mm-hmm. we don't cover. But I think that's slowing down a little bit. And at this point, I'm looking to maybe, I think once in a while I'm going to go back and just do like cover Silver Age Submariner. I'm going to ru- read through just big runs that we we kind of skipped over and look at them as a whole for that. Because I think that would be kind of interesting, like all the Iron Man that we jump over, you know, try to try to read through one long run and see how that goes. Because, yeah, I'm curious about this. Like, I haven't hated Submariner. I just, nothing about it has, like, hooked me significantly, even though, you know, I read through some of them and I'm like, oh, yeah, his thighs, they look good. <laughs> Right. Right. I mean, yeah, no, I think you should go check out the run and get those like four to five page spreads of uh, squat workouts. <laughs> God. Um, okay. So, oh, and, and this actually brings up something else. The next letter we have is from Peter, but we were talking in the Slack this week because we were pretty down on 1967 part two, especially. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, I think it was by far the worst like chunk of comics we've read so far. He really liked it. Uh, or I don't know if he really liked <laughs> okay, it. There you go. He, he thought yeah. we were totally underselling it, like or undervaluing it. Um, which you know what, like totally fair if you like them. This is this should just be a blanket disclaimer for the entire podcast, which is like we don't have anything but our perspective. If we don't like something you do, cool. Like that's that's great. I'm glad you're enjoying it. But you know, but don't don't let us take away that from you <laughs> if you are enjoying something. Yeah. You know, don't, don't think that we if we dislike it, you know, it's a it's a personal attack or something well except when i start calling out specific listeners and personally attacking them as i disperse <laughs> yeah, comics well, those are yeah, unless, personal unless we call you out by name that's right and you're good yeah that's right yeah if you get an email directly from me that says no submariner is bad that is a personal attack i just want that to be clear <laughs> yeah yeah sure and when i start cussing out dave for secret wars and blaming well, him this entire podcast is a personal attack. I would argue <laughs> <laughs> against me. I start blaming you personally for the travesty that is Secret Wars. <laughs> that has happened multiple times. Yeah. So, um, actually, you know what? Let's split up these letters. Let me hit the poll. I forgot to I usually do that at the top. Oh yeah, we have a poll. Do that now. Yeah, yeah. 
before we get into our next letter, let's go over 1967's poll was, which superheroes has have it the worst? So, coming in, in last place, tied for last place, with zero votes. <laughs> tied for zero, okay. Iron Man and Captain America. Yeah. Uh, they get, they, I mean, Iron Man, I understand. We don't read, we don't read enough Iron Man to feel that way, plus he, the whole setup is that he kind of has it coming. The whole setup is that, like, his heart ailment is, is, like, it's like a fix, like, it makes him a better person. So it's mm-hmm. kind of hard and, to view it as like isn't a it his thing. own bomb, right? Wasn't it? His, is it? His is own it it's munitions? like a Stark manufactured munitions, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah that exactly. Would, that yeah. Sense, yeah. So it's it's ironic. He deserves it. Yeah, sure. No I think I think it. the Cap story, as we've read it, maybe doesn't mm-hmm. stand out as much. But that one definitely. It's it's even hard to like think about and contextualize how weird his life is. The the issues we've read for my Marvel here haven't underlined this. Some other ones have done a better job. There's one I read for extra issues that did a decent job kind of exploring how out of place he felt in in like modern day America. Yeah. I think it actually was the Batrock issue, which everyone should go read. Go find out which, which issue uh Batrock premieres in here. Actually, I have it right here. And while you're recommending that, I also really like uh, Mark Wade wrote a miniseries called Captain America Man Out of Time. I think it's four issues. It's very, very good. And it's, you know, kind of specifically dealing with his entry into modern day. Um, but yeah, I, I understand why we're not there in the vote. But yeah, those are some reads. And did you get, do you have the bat rock? I'm going to guess it was published in 2011. It was a one shot. Oh, oh, that that modern day bat rock. That, that modern day bat rock issue is very good. There's a single bat rock Issue. That's not what you're so, talking. Oh, you're talking about Silver Age Batrock. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about okay. Tales of Suspense 75. That is yeah. the actual introduction of Batrock. That one's excellent. It's a really good. It's fun because it's Batrock, but it also explores Captain America out of time. That one's really good. Um, and then the modern day Batrock, which is a Marvel Unlimited. Anyone should just go read that because it's um, it's completely like out of context of any modern continuity. You can read it as just a solo, like one shot. It's very fun. Okay, back to the poll. And you did call me out, and maybe even on the show, for including yes. Stillman, but not Batrock. Twice, Rock, but which, no Batrock. Which Rock, I would yeah. say is probably your fairest criticism today. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, coming in third place, X-Men, for being outcast in society. Yeah. Which I think at this time, if we had done this poll in the mid-80s, I bet this would be different. Um, because yeah, for sure. X, like right now, the X-Men have had the Sentinel plotline that really kind of shows that they are marginalized yeah. in society but it's not like it's not so closely tied to anything like real civil rights their actual lives are not in constant threat and danger from it like it's not at the forefront like it becomes later right it's pretty pretty hard metaphor at this point yeah yeah, yeah. and i think we did that intentionally because give give some other superheroes a fighting chance in this poll yeah it's not all time right I mean, there's a point, there's a stretch in the 80s where, like, basically it starts to feel like every X-Men issue opens with a child being chased through a, by a mob through it, a park in, like, suburban yeah. Illinois. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it becomes very clear how feared and hated they are. But yeah, we're not there yeah. yet. Second place, we've got Spider-Man with his publicity problems and work-life balance with 12 votes. Which, uh, it's interesting because... There's a. <laughs> my wife had zero sympathy for any of this. <laughs> I was telling her these. Lists for anyone having problems like, here, Spider-Man, Captain America, Iron Man. Specifically. Yeah, yeah. She was just like, I get over it. Okay, like you brought all this on yourself. Yeah, and, right. <laughs> get over it. a dead teenager. You brought him to war. Not having it. <laughs> it's very funny. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, Spider-Man, I, I think he's the most relatable, his problems. But at the same time, they are somewhat brought on by himself. Like, he could just not be Spider-Man and not having these problems. Like, he fits in. I think that's a good argument to make. He could just easily be Peter Parker. Not easily, but if he just, it is one of those things, and this happens a lot where you're just like screaming at him, like, Peter, just don't put on the suit this one time. Just stay Mm -hmm. on the date with Gwen or with MJ or whatever. Um, But he just can't ever do it. And it's it's motivating and aspirational, but it is also sometimes infuriating. And yeah, I can see how you'd be like, like, that's a choice as opposed to something hoisted on him, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, uh, speaking of which, is our number one choice here, our vote, uh, The Thing, with his gruesome transformation, which I think, fair, right? Like, he's the, the one whose life is most transform- transformed by this. Didn't ask for it, can't change back, has a hard time relating to other people. Yeah, no, I, I think that would be, Ben Grimm would be the most difficult transition to, like, if you could just put yourself in their shoes mm-hmm. <laughs> to try yeah. to picture what that would be like. Um, I, I do think Stan, Jack, and, and the gang do a pretty interesting job of adjusting to that, but I, it's almost undercut even by the fact that he's so funny and so likable, yeah. you know, um, eventually. Like, definitely the first couple of years are pretty, like, he's just angry, and it's, yeah. it's actually pretty interesting to read. I don't know. I think they do a good sense. job of making that humor seem like, like gallows humor in a bit. And yeah. Like, he, you know, he makes fun of himself, he makes fun of his situation, and it kind of has that... He has to laugh to keep from crying. Oh, totally. I think it it works brilliantly. Like Ben's my favorite character of the '60s. It's not played the the you know quote unquote if this happened in real life take that has become popular post Watchmen kind of thing of mm-hmm. of what that might look like. I could see like a like a modern book like a Black Hammer Universe doing that really well. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. This is this poll kind of lined up exactly. I think yeah. how I would order it. So yeah, um, but it came right down to one vote between the thing and Spider Man. Okay, getting back to our letters here, we've got a long one here from Peter. I'm probably going to stop to break this one up and we can chat okay. about it as we go. Hey, Dave and Zach, I'm just going to say it. I miss Ditko. If I'm being honest, I wasn't impressed with Ditko's art when I first picked up Amazing Fantasy 15. It was plain, the line work was rough, and it just lacked the polished, shiny look I knew comics would one day acquire. I expected this and considered it part of the fun and novelty of watching the comics grow as an art form over time. And indeed, we watched the artwork of others like Kirby get cleaner and smoother as the years went on, but Ditko's art remained more or less the same. The lines were still rough, the textures remained simple, the color palette was consistent. And yet, it was Ditko's art that grew on me the most. What became clear as we went in, and is painfully clear now, that Ditko's art worked because it had something more impressive and more important than clean lines and realistic textures. It had energy and emotion and purpose, and it came across better than any of the other artists from that era. Which is like, this is me hopping in. Like, spot on. I totally feel the same way. I think we had the same arc with Ditko, because if you go back and listen to the first episode where we talked about Spider-Man, I was like, yeah, this is kind of messy. I, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's a little sloppy. And then four or five issues in, he started growing on me, and then... He's right, just like that flow and energy and facial expressions and all that stuff just really started working for me in a big way. I do think Dicko Dicko's art is probably one of the bigger acquired tastes, I think, mm-hmm. of the period. Um yeah. it takes it takes a little more digging into. I I do wonder if the comparisons if he if it wasn't Spider Man, which is also 
like all those things you say about it, energy, emotion, purpose, I think apply to the narratives of Spider-Man, right. um, which is, you know, Ditko and Stanley together. I, I wonder if you were looking at like just Doctor Strange, if mm-hmm. that would feel the same way, whereas Ditko is doing very interesting artwork as well. Um, but I, I do wonder if it would stand out as much. I mean, I don't I don't like to play favorites from the era because you're just doing Kirby V Ditko and it's like, what's the point? Like they're both great. They're both doing, and just like the design and development of characters is by both of them is incredible. You know, just these iconic looks that have stayed throughout time in particular Sandman's later costume that came Kirby did in fantastic four. Um, yeah, that goes awesome. I, I still feel like I'm missing something. I still feel like there's an art appreciation class where I would learn things um, about his art style in particular. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I, You know, what's interesting, though, is that, like, you, you brought this up, that it must have been a real slap in the face for Ditko that John Romita just came in and, like, filled his shoes and immediately just took what I he's love been Romita, doing yeah. and then just cleaned it up. Because it's funny now, I we're, in, we're solidly in Romita territory, but um, I just went back for extra issues to read some old Ditkos, and it was just like, oh, man, what happened? Like... Even, like, late-era Ditko and Spider-Man, it just looks so scuzzy compared to Ramita now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's hard It's hard to go back at this point, even though I grew to really appreciate Ditko. Um, actually, so speaking of which, Peter continues. John Ramita's art on Spider-Man has been great. It's just like someone cleaned up Ditko's lines. It made me feel like I was right, that I wasn't going to miss Ditko. Then I read my first post-Ditko Doctor Strange, drawn by Bill Ev- Bill Everett, and right away, I began to feel the loss. The image of Strange didn't quite feel like the same person, carrying himself more like a typical superhero rather than the odd, mysterious sorcerer he is. His cape billowed for no reason, which took away from the action when it needed to billow. Kalu's design felt more like an Avengers villain than an ancient sorcerer to be feared, and there were other oddities. The Ancient One sitting halfway through his carpet or wearing a furry suit for no reason. I don't know what that's about. But well, I wouldn't say so, no reason. Yeah, I mean... Furry culture. <laughs> Exactly. Obviously. Uh, and the backgrounds were cluttered with senseless designs and shapes. It was like the artist was trying to imitate Ditko, but didn't really understand what Ditko had done. It lacked purpose and proper atmosphere. I can't help feel like that was one of the reasons we skipped most of these issues, which included what seemed like noteworthy introductions. It made me realize just how great Ditko had been. Thankfully, Marie Severin's art on the title brought back much of the atmosphere and purpose that were missing in the few preceding issues. But it's still not quite the same. Most notably, the dark dimension seems more concrete and less abstract. It almost makes sense from an Earth-like perspective, and while it does possibly seem darker and more menacing than Ditko's version, I can't help but feel like it loses as much as it gains. I just wanted to share my thoughts and hear your takes on this. Also, to squeeze a question in here, does anyone ever manage to bring the weirdness back the weirdness to Strange's dimensions? Not necessarily the pastel geometric shapes, but the Escher-like feeling that the normal rules of physics don't work the same. And if if so, who should we look forward to, and when do we get there? Thanks, as always, Peter, a.k.a. the Colossal Chick Man. The Colossal Chick Man. Yeah, no, really good letter. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, um, I, yeah I think the, I guess that's kind of what I was leaning into on the, the strange piece, which is interesting to hear you talk about. As far as your question goes, I, I think the Ditko template will stick... For a good long while, definitely. Um, my thinking as far as like that sort of consciousness expanding psychedelia, uh, really taking a new a new appearance would be when Steve Englehart starts writing the title um, in the early 70s. So we kind of get like a Defenders 
and then a relaunched Doctor Strange book. And that's when you start getting that 70s um, really psychedelic movement across Marvel, frankly. Uh, hmm. It'll apply okay. to Strange. It'll be like the work of Jim Starlin in the pages of, of Warlock and, and you know, like the Thanos saga that kind of spans across those. Um, but yeah, I think that's to me like the clear and it's it's a literal breaking point because it's a new series but that's the one where i started thinking so we're not too far away uh yeah i like marie severin what we've read of her doctor strange i think she does a great job picking up doctor strange and he he included some pictures of bill everett's art and i don't dislike it but it also it's not Ditko and it's not severin everett's an interesting artist from this time period because we we've talked about him before where he he created or co-created submariner in the golden right. age yeah and it's like Marvel kept trying to get him work, you know, like they kept trying to get him back. And he on never books. stuck on anything. No. And because uh, he was on, I think he's on the first issue of Daredevil. If not one, then like two. Like he's on one of the really early DDs. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Thanks for the letters, everybody. I think uh, we do have some updates to our our Patreon. Before, before we do that, I want to do. Can we do one other thing before we do that? We. It depends what that other thing is. Is it going to be good? Talk about not brand ech. Oh. Which which we planned on doing because... It is I don't a new know if I want to do this to... other thing anymore. <laughs> it's a new addition to Marvel Unlimited uh, in the last year or so, and it wasn't around when you did My Marvelous Year. We That's initially right. planned to put it in the list, put one of these issues in the main list and talk about it. But then both Dave and I checked it out, and it was just so intolerable to read that I think we just kind of forgot about it and put it out of our minds, but... Someone someone brought it up in uh, in the Slack, and I thought we should we should talk about it briefly. Yeah, not Brandeck is so. First off, it's Marvel's reference to DC, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we're not them. Is you know right. is essentially the gag, um, and it's a Mad Magazine style all joke. It's like all in jokes, like very yeah. Marvel in jokes comedy book. Um, it is very much of the era right like it's i think it works best as a historical document Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be like this is what marvel production offices thought would be a funny good idea in specifically in 1967 there are some like kind of cool parodies within these pages like there's one and I, I can't remember the creator offhand, but there's a, he does a parody of Starenko's uh, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number three, mm-hmm. which is that um, crazy like uh, Sherlock Holmes style horror story. Yeah, and right. it's the whole thing is a gag, but it's all done in that style. And the art looks really cool. <laughs> like it <laughs> looks like kind of Starenko. The um, thing is so- with these, it's like it's way too many jokes, way too fast. Right. Yeah, like it's one right. of those things where like, oh, some of these are good jokes. These are kind of funny little jabs at yourself. But for every 10 jokes, it's just one of them lands. So it's the Robin Williams method, you know? It, well, I would say Williams had a much higher percentage of landing than yeah. not brand Eck. But, uh, but yeah, so it's to see if you really like Silver Age books. Like if you really like the 60s or perhaps remember the Sarah Fonley from the first time you read through, then I mean, hey, not Brandeck is available. I think if you're just reading through trying to get the story and uh, and you're doing the MMY club to get the greatest hits, you, you don't need any more than what we just talked about. Um, yeah, I, I, promise I you defy that. anyone to go read every panel <laughs> of an entire issue here. Yeah, it's, right. It's a lot. Right. Uh, Okay, so yeah, let's get into the, the patron-supported, our patron backers um, at the $10 and up level. 
have their superheroes listed here. And we did a bunch of these last year. We're gonna I'm gonna flesh out a couple of these, and we've got a new villain this this week to unveil. So I'll start out with uh, Dan Heath, aka the Terrible Toffiend, a candy. What what is our, his arms made out of? One is made out of sugar, and one's made out of butter. That's right. Well, his hands. Yeah, yeah, his hands, and then smashed together to make toffee. Um, so well, they I'm make a really candy. hard substance. I I don't know if I ever said toffee. Oh, okay. All right, got you. They, <clears> it, <throat> listen, if you taste it, everyone will tell you, "Oh, this tastes a lot like toffee." But I don't think there's I no that. evidence that it's actually toffee. Yeah. I was thinking what a the enemy of somebody composed of candy would be, and uh, and I was thinking. <laughs> thinking um a little a little sailor boy <laughs> first thought that was my first thought as well yep With, so th- this is kind of like um pride in full metal alchemist which i don't think you know it this is this is a hero who who's stuck in a oh this is a what's her name the gale from black hammer a, a hero yeah. stuck in a child's body there we go um and no, he dresses in a, a little sailor suit and he's got a hankering for candy and his uh-huh. name is Little Lord Fauntleroy. Little Laura Fauntleroy. No, Little Lord, not Laura. <laughs> little Lord. Oh, it's a boy? Fauntleroy. Yeah. I thought you said little girl, because I was getting no. some weird no. vibes. Um, okay. Little Lord Fauntleroy. And, uh, and he little is obsessed Lord. with candy, and but he is also a genius whose only goal is to capture the terrible Toffiend and have him produce a never-ending stream of toffee for him. Now, hang on. The terrible hmm. Toffiend is a villain. Yeah. And he's now got his own villain to use him for nefarious ends. I like this. <laughs> yeah, that's. I guess that's a good point. Yeah, sure. Villains sometimes. I mean, sometimes villains manipulate other villains. Like this is classic Emperor Doom manipulating the Purple Man to his own nefarious yeah. ends. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but yeah, sure. Yeah, um, that that makes sense. He just loves candy and he wants to eat any. I mean, hero or villain. If you're made out of candy, Little Lord Fauntleroy wants you. Now there is. I mean, so. That's kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. The, I, first off, little look in the sailor suit. I'm already scared. Second, that he wants to capture him and just like nibble at him over mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Oh, That's he's going to keep him alive and well Ooh, in a cage and just that, like enforce him to produce toffee for his uh, his insatiable candy hunger. This kid's a monster. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. All right. Stay safe out there, terrible toffiend. This guy's out for you, and I'm not. I'm not feeling good about the Lord Fauntleroy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So you you came up with a villain this week for CJ Petraeus, I think. Is how you say it? Uh, okay, we can go with that. Um, so CJ Petraeus, a new uh, my marvelous here supporter on our Patreon channel. Thank you, CJ, for your support. He, he's been around for a while. He's just upgrading. Well, of, of this tier, correct? Yeah. 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 Okay, so CJ was a brigadier general in the Air Force. <laughs> God, it's just all about the name with you. <laughs> okay. All right, now, a, for those of you who are not studied in the ranks of the Air Force, a brigadier general is a couple tiers below uh, what would be the final general standing, right? So it's not quite a lieutenant general, not quite a general. And uh, he's stuck in this position he really wants to be promoted to general. But there is a gentleman in that position. Uh, he is General Larry Lightning Bolt Toss, who uh, uh-huh. is is not going anywhere. 
He's just not leaving, right? So CJ, the brigadier general, he decides he's going to try to poison this general. He's going to take him out. And now you could, you know, say here, aren't there like two other like lieutenant general positions above the brigadier? Yeah, there are. It's not a perfect plan. Okay. But this is his plan. He's starting here. He's going to try and take out the general. But when he goes to do so, the chemicals blow up in his face. He tried to shoot them into, so he gets into the general's office and he's got this batch of poison chemicals. But then, Mm -hmm. you know how sometimes you have like trash in your hand and you want to shoot it into the basket or like in the garbage can to like have a a cool moment, you know? Mm -hmm. He tries to do this with the poison into the general's mouth. Into the general's mouth? Oh, no. So the general's not there. So he's got like like a Mad Men style bar in his office kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. He tries to shoot it into one of those and it bounces off the cup. He hits rim in and out. Comes back out, hits him right in the face, blows up, and uh, he is is uh, it, he misses like honestly he missed pretty badly. Um, so he gets a lightning bolt scar on his cheek mm-hmm. as a okay. result of these chemicals, and uh, and then because of his scarring, he decides that and it, let's face it, he's already trying to poison someone. He's not on the best path here. Uh, he's going to now become a supervillain known as the backup general later. And uh, he produces small charges of static electricity, making it difficult to touch other people. Very difficult. He can't get too close to anyone, the backup general later. And uh, he also has a relatively sharp tactical mind. So not the sharpest, but he can plan fairly effectively. So how is he going to use this, uh, this military strategy and this inability to touch people without obnoxious static? We don't know, but time time will tell as we... So, okay, is this, this is not like, it's not a dangerous amount of electricity he discharges. It's just enough to make it like inconvenient. Yeah, like if you've ever bumped into someone and just gotten that mm-hmm. little like, ooh, kind yeah. of thing, he can do okay. that anytime. Anytime. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's just, it's obnoxious, but it's not like he's not killing people with it. I mean, have you ever been shocked a hundred times by that? I don't that's know what's true. Would I don't know what would happen. Yeah. 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 God, that's So that's, that's the backup general later, our newest villain. I just have to say, like, Dave is so obsessed with just using the person's name. That's I, I initially we were talking about this on uh just chatting about this, and I wrote, Yeah, the new the new villain you have to come up with his name's CJ. And Dave was like, Oh, the initial <laughs> Just because their name is made out of initials. Just immediately, just like, oh, perfect. I already came up with it. The initial. Yep. And then I said, no, it's CJ Petraeus. And uh, he was like, oh, okay. Military man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm, I'm happy with what you came up with, though. Okay. So uh, the, the other one I have is the naysayer, a.k.a. Stephen Taylor. And uh, he's a an evil villain who controls horses uh, just through em- em- empathically. He just has a real uh, connection with, with horses and horse-like creatures. And while on a big horse theft out in Montana, a big horse theft, a, uh, a horse heist, if you will, yeah. in Montana, uh, he is halted by the the uh, the hero of the plains, Colt McClure, who Ooh. is just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, she is a, uh, she's just a, an old-timey cowgirl of the West. He doesn't quite understand. The naysayer doesn't like her because she's a little rough with her horses. You know, she, oh. she's someone who captures wild horses and breaks them. And the naysayer, maybe he's like... An, and, and let's be clear, an, she 
breaks them. Like she just demolishes these horses. Just over her knee, picks up a horse and like Bane style Bane, to Batman. Yeah. She is she is not nice to these horses. Well, no, no, okay, no, no. We're she's she's not necess- She's a hero. She's not a villain. Oh, that's not what you meant. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. my mistake. But she's a hero who's like, you know, maybe maybe she she sees horses as a means to an end. She has no sympathy for uh, horse liberation the same way that the naysayer does. So maybe there's some gray area here where the naysayer is a villain, but. Uh, when it comes to horses, he's got a heart of gold. Uh-huh. Car- Col- Colt McClure is kind of the opposite here. When it comes to horses, he's got a heart of cube of sugar. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so th- this is kind of a battle between uh, winning over the horses through love and respect or fear and domination mm-hmm. from Colt McClure. Where the villain is using love and respect because right. he understands yeah, the horses exactly. intimately. And yeah. uh, Colt McClure is is picking them up and snapping <laughs> them over her knee but when she's still a hero i don't get it <laughs> we'll figure it out yeah um just uh just want to call out our other heroes here uh thank you to peter the colossal chick man keith the screenshot and christina lalo lacruzzi the tailor uh also i found out that lalo is a man's name sorry christina uh, <laughs> did she tell you that, or did you just yep. find that out? Yep, she, did. she was fine with it. I told her we could switch it to like um, Lulu or something, but she. Uh, I looked it up too. It to 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 be fair, if you Google uh-huh. like Lalo name, the first website says that it's a boy's name, and then every other one after that says that it's a girl's name. So whatever parent naming website I found misled me. Yeah, I should. Um, I don't think when we request, so we we ask for like if you want a hero or villain. And then the degree of silliness, yeah, um, which may or may not be followed, but um, by me in particular. But uh, do we ask gender? No, we should though. That's a, that's a good point because I mean, uh, let's let's if you have one of these, tell us it, what gender you'd like your character to be. Um, yeah, if, specifically, if we had CJ here, and I'm not positive. Actually, like I, I think CJ is male, but I'm not actually. Positive I don't want to make assumptions. That, so. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what we're doing. So. so. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll double check on that. I'll I'll ask that from now because also maybe you don't want it to match your gender. Maybe you want right. it, if you're right, exactly. if you're a man, you want a female superhero. That'd be fun. That's I mean that's how I play video games. I never play like <laughs> I always play a blonde, pasty white man in video games because I just want <laughs> my my hero to be exactly. Right. I was kind of I was doing something very, very different from myself. I was really surprised um, that that all your characters just had like exactly your skill sets you know like they were they were just running around like skyrim and they were like does anyone need a podcast edited <laughs> it was like well, exact i don't know how you're gonna beat the game like this <laughs> because no one does so i never made any gold right yeah no no one ever needs it uh cool so our episodes for 1968 will be coming out may 6th and may 13th part one and part two and if you have any feedback for 1968's issues get that to us by may 14th yeah, my marvelous year. Uh, you can find all the reading lists for the, the comics we're going to be covering in the next few episodes on mymarvelthisyear.com. It'll take you to a page on Comic Herald, the site I run, uh, yep. for all the reading lists. Otherwise, you can in the Patreon. We send them out weekly uh, in the Comic Herald newsletter email club. I'll send out the lists, or in the show notes, uh, we'll be listing the reading lists as well. So if you're having trouble finding them, uh, there's a lot of options, but also you can just reach out to us anywhere on social. Look for My Marvelous Year, and we'll be happy to uh, get you in touch with the the comics that the club's going to be reading.
Music for My Marvelous Year is by Disaster Peace. That is spelled mm-hmm. D-I-S-A-S-T-E-R, Peace. And you can find all their music on Spotify, Bandcamp, or wherever you get your tunes. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next year. See you next year. I think I'm going to uh, take the day off work so I can go see Battle Angel again before it leaves theaters. I don't even know what that is. What is Battle Angel? What? Alita Battle Angel? It's a comic book adaptation. What? Do your job. Battle Angel? <laughs> Alita Battle Angel? It's that, like, cyborg, cyberpunk thing with the, the anime girl with big eyes. It's Robert Rodriguez and James Cameron. Oh. Oh, my God. Nothing. It's... It's so good. I saw it, like, we saw it last week, and it was very, very fun. It's, like, yeah. one of the most, like, comic booky action movies. Uh, it's a manga. It's a manga adaptation. And it was excellent. It's, like, this huge big budget thing that is only doing so-so in theaters right now. <laughs> You've never even heard of it, and this is your field, which is absurd. I mean, I've told yeah. you, obviously, I'm not a manga guy, but that surprised me a little. I literally haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised you haven't seen the trailers. It's like a big, you know, it cost them like $300 million to make or something. Like it's a They big don't run push. trailers in uh, floppy comics. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. He does something where he tints his windows to re- like refract light. So it basically looks like the car is empty. Which, I mean, it's not that interesting. But it is the most, like, forward-thinking technological thing I feel like Stanley has ever written. Like, tinted windows? No, it's not tinted windows. It's, like, windows that, uh, you know, show, that, that, like, bounce the light off in a way that looks like the car is empty. Like, you can see through the car, which is something that, like, real tech exists. You know, you get little cameras that take a picture of what's happening, and then it just makes something look invisible. You don't know that? Like, the army uses this stuff to put, like, panels all over a tank or something, and then using cameras on the other side will show what's on the other side and project it onto okay. the okay. panels to make something look invisible. It, yeah. It's basically the least, like, everything that they've done is sci-fi in a way that's just bonkers and ridiculous. Like, this is a nuclear-powered lock for the door. And it's like, that doesn't make sense. So you're saying this is, but, like, actual in-development type tech. Yeah, or, I don't know. I, I mean, it's like someone who just predicted the internet in the 40s, right? Like, came up with something like that. Like, right. I mean, it's not to that level. Maybe, maybe I am way overstating this. I'm going to cut this whole thing. This is ridiculous. No, no, you're saying Stan's <laughs> a genius. I, I get it. Well, it just... Nostradamus. 95% of everything he does is just so, like, off-the-wall, wild, or... He has Iron Man doing stuff like he needs a little antenna popping out of his shoulder to tap into the CB radio. Like, he's either, he either doesn't know about science at all and he exaggerates so crazy, or he's way too grounded in what's actually happening. Like, I would argue that science has actually failed Stan and not the opposite true, way around. That's any, true, anything that he predicted that didn't come true, it's their fault, not Stan's yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was a bunch of nonsense. I'm Zach. You're Dave. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I was not drinking at work, I swear.